It's the Country 104.9 Mornings with Matt and Fatty podcast. We heard about this Guinness World Record out of Missouri. They have the world record now for the longest parade of mules. <laughs> That's pretty specific. Yeah. They had 50 mules in what? this parade. Why? Well, this was the University of Central Missouri's mascot, the mule. Okay. And so they thought to celebrate 150 years as a university, let's have a mule parade. Okay. Sounds like fun, right? Sure. Just Honey, they're having the mule parade. Come see. So I didn't want to embarrass you. But when I brought this up to you this morning, you're like, oh, yeah, mules. That's when they cross a horse with a cow. Uh, yeah. And you were totally serious. Yeah. This is how much of a city boy Fatty is. I went to public school. He grew up in London. Actually thought that you could mate horses and cows. I never thought about it until now. But like like horses, <laughs> horses are part of the equine family. Cows are both. You, like, they, you can't breed them. They're not the same species, no, bro. no. Anyways, I just thought I'd embarrass you there. You know who's dumb? The guy I work with. (laughs) Matt and I always get protective because we figure, hey, anything agriculture related, we could break that record. And we figured, hey, tomorrow is going to be some asses in a line. We're going to be at the Blythe Santa Claus parade tomorrow, Matt and I. Come say hi to Matt and I. Yeah. Be like, hey, it's those asses from the radio. Yeah. And then a single tear will roll down our faces. We had so much fun in Blythe on Saturday at their Santa Claus parade. We were looking around at some of the different floats and we looked in the distance and we thought there was some kind of planet or something. We're like, what is that big giant ball? Is that the Blythe Astronomical Society? Well, we were wondering, but then we realized, oh, right, we're in Blythe. It's a giant rutabaga. There's the rutabaga festival. It's so unique to Blythe. Where else would you find a giant inflatable rutabaga. Must be the only one in the world. On an acid trip, maybe. How do do you even order a giant rutabaga? Is there online a site where you can just type in giant rutabaga inflatable? I don't think so. I think they sell them at Finchers and Goddard. Maybe. I want one. We were following a float. Here on Midwives. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't realize they have a website and everything. It's actually like kind of nice. So they had kids trapped in in presents, in boxes. And what was their slogan again? It's like, midwives deliver the greatest gifts. Yeah, yeah. The people. Just kind of cute. That was pretty cute. Also really convenient. Yeah. If they're, if you're pregnant and you wanted to attend the parade and your water breaks. At least they were there. During the parade. <laughs> midwives are like 10 feet away. They're right there on the float. They could just like bring you up on the float while you give birth. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be quite a thing to see in a parade? That'd be quite <laughs> the story. Yeah. Son, you were born during the Blythe Santa Claus Parade. (laughs) And the funny thing, too, about small town parades is Santa always has a different way of coming in. And in Blythe, Santa comes in on like a a rescue trailer for a snowmobile. (laughs) It's it's just so Blythe. It's wonderful. The fire department pulls them in on, on what looks like a fire department golf cart. And then Santa's in this rescue trailer. It's hilarious. Oh, everybody has golf carts in Blythe, even the (laughs) fire department. I know. It's great. Thanks a lot, Blythe. We love seeing you. 
It's called snow globing. A lot of people do this. They maybe aren't too serious about the person they're seeing, but they'll make that person feel like they mean more to them than they do because they don't want to be alone for Christmas parties and for the cold season. You want someone to cuddle up to. People have indoor heating. You don't need to snuggle up to somebody to keep warm. Yeah, but the days are like shorter. You want someone around. It can get real lonely this time of year. Okay. Maybe you cling on to someone and you don't like them as much as you realize comes spring, you're like, oh, I was just using you to cuddle up to. You swiped right when you would normally swipe left, but you had a little more eggnog that night. Somebody's in your bed you don't want there. Is this a cruel thing to do to somebody? Most people don't intentionally do it. As long as you're up front, I think it's okay. Yeah, and then when it gets warm and more attractive people come outside... We can go our separate ways. It's kind of cruel. Maybe a lot of good relationships start this way. You start off in this snow-globing relationship, and then you realize you actually like each other. It's like a real-life rom-com. You you end up going skating together under the stars, and you realize, I really like this person. Oh, you live in a bizarre fantasy world. Maybe they make nice gingerbread. Or it's the opposite. You're like, this person can't cook for trash. (laughs) They're annoying. They're constantly... Sucking their teeth yeah. while they eat. And they're, they're, whenever they floss, a whole bunch of particulates always hit the mirror. And then I got to clean the mirror afterwards. Oh, I liked my version better. I like my version better because it's real. And I'm describing myself. Fatty, keeping it real since when were you born? 1985. Since 1985. And since the late 1900s. <laughs> <laughs> this is a sweet story, sort of. There was this friendly crow that showed up at an elementary school in Oregon. And so it started pecking on the windows and the kids were like, oh, it's so cute. There's a crow outside the classroom. Then it flew into the grade five classroom and helped itself to some snacks. It started landing on some of the kids' heads. And then it started to talk. Like, I'm a human. I'm trapped inside this bird. It said like, what's up? And oh, it just said cute stuff. No, it said, I'm fine. F you. It started to swear. Yes. It had all this this whole vocabulary of swear words. Yes. <laughs> and the teachers were like, oh, no, we got to get this bird out of our <laughs> classroom. They called animal control and everything. And uh, apparently it was a, a pet crow. It escaped at some point, but it had quite a vocabulary of oh, swear nice. words. So those kids learned some <laughs> words. But the, I'm bringing this up because the very same thing happened to me. I lost my budgie who was, spoke words. This was in Milton. And we lost our budgie for about four days. And we put the word out there, hey, anyone seen our budgie? Someone finally called us and said, hey, your budgie's at the local school. And it's being really racist. It swooped down and it was landing on kids' heads and then it was talking to them. The only words it really knew was, I'm a pretty poopy. Because we used to call him pretty poopy. and Your bird would repeat, I'm so a pretty poopy? It was kind of foul, but it wasn't swear words at least. Yeah. I'm a pretty poopy. I don't know. This was in the 80s, right? Pretty poopy, I'm pretty sure it was a swear word. Maybe so. In the 80s. So anyways, we got our bird back, and then we taught it to swear. Crow got back to its owner. Mm-hmm, did. Yeah. And the crow was like, kids don't want to work these days. Like, yep, yeah, the crow's a boomer. Is there anything douchier than seeing somebody pull out a vape pen from their pocket? Oh, Take a, take a big drag off of it, and okay. then a big cloud of white smoke. Okay, I'm assuming... This isn't the most attractive thing to look at, first of all, okay? But there's another reason why it's probably going to be unattractive, maybe to the ladies or guys. Whatever your preference. Healthy men who started vaping, healthy men between 20 and 65 who got into a routine of vaping, 
twice as likely now to report erectile dysfunction. Ooh. Ooh. So it's Ooh. not only just terrible for your, you know, overall body, but now things aren't working down there. It's, like, all, it's, it's bad for your willy's body. Where's the benefit of vaping? Like, what is the even point then? It does taste pretty good. I used to vape. I used to be one of those dudes. You did, but did you notice any troubles down below? I have never had success down below. So no, I didn't notice anything. Well, maybe it was the vaping. Maybe it was the vaping. I don't know. Maybe it yeah. was. Maybe that's why you can feel better about yourself now. But how am I supposed to look uncool, Matthew? There you go. You just throw away the vape. Your willy will be standing at attention, saluting yes. the flag. Everybody will be happy. If you own a helicopter, you probably know that you can't just land wherever you want. You couldn't just plunk your helicopter down in the middle of the five points in Godrich. You can't just plunk down there and then grab a Tim Hortons coffee. And the then... hell I can't. I'm in a helicopter. What are the police going to do? Chase me in their cars? True. You probably could get away with it. But there was this one guy in the summer. It was really hot in Saskatchewan. And he had a craven for some Dairy Queen. Took his chopper down to Tisdale and landed right there in the parking lot. And he got charged because that yeah. breaks aviation rules. If you're in an emergency, you can land a helicopter anywhere. But if you're going to Dairy Queen, you can't just park in the parking lot. And the Crown, the people who are charging him, they dropped the charges. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know what kind of precedent this sets for other helicopter drivers. So I'm just speculating, but I know aviation in Canada is federally regulated. Kind of like the radio. We're regulated by the federal government. Aviation, the same thing. So I'm wondering if somebody in Huron County could fly their helicopter to the Dairy Queen in Exeter and just park nearby and use that case as a legal precedent for, hey, this guy in Tisdale did it. I'm going to do it here, too. Well, that'd be dangerous, though. Those blades are pretty sharp. You'd probably take out the apartment next door. You know, the second level. Matthew, this is Exeter. Nobody lives in Exeter. So every once in a while, Matt says something and he just he shows his age. Yeah. You're what, 46? Yeah, you make fun of me sometimes. So you're already one foot in the grave already. Hey. What, what do you miss about old Christmas, Matthew? I'm only 46, but I miss getting Christmas cards. Got a Christmas card in the mail yesterday. My wife and I, we kind of joked, well, we've got our one and only Christmas card for the year. Who's it from? Older couple that's keeping up the tradition. Well, yes, I know they're old. They sent a Christmas card. Well, how yeah. do they? How do you know these people? Young people don't use the mail anymore, do they? No, we use technology. Well, friends of the family. But I remember when we were first married, we would get like 20, 30 of these things. You were married in the 1900s. <laughs> and then you'd like string them on a string in your house. And it was like free Christmas decorating. And the kids would look at all the little pictures on the cards. It was a nice tradition that I miss. Well, what else did you do, Grandpa? What else did you do on Christmas? Wait. Did you roast chestnuts? Is that something you did as well? Oh, maybe. On uh -huh. an open fire. Yeah. Had to be on an open fire because we didn't have a stove. No. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't have electricity. I hope that some people still keep this tradition up. because No, it's... mail's awful. I did get two cards from, and everybody gets these. I got the Ben Lobb, uh, here on Bruce MP, Ben Lobb, Christmas greeting, and the MPP Lisa Thompson Christmas greeting as well. Got them on the same day. Well, at least they send Christmas cards. Yeah, they still send the Christmas cards. At least cards. the government is still doing something from yesteryear. So if you see... Oh, stop saying <laughs> that word, yesteryear. <laughs> so if you if you got your, your Christmas greeting from Lisa Thompson and Ben Lobb, make sure you see, when you see them next, say, hey, I got your Christmas card. Thank you for addressing that to me personally. It was the only card I got. <laughs> so there's this guy in Germany... 
he was, quote unquote, commuting from his bed to his office desk because he works at home. That's a commute, right? It's a commute, right? Does that count? If you're working from home. Well, that's what he thinks. You roll out of bed in your jammy jams and the computer's in the (laughs) next room. You would otherwise have stayed in bed. You wouldn't have gotten out of bed. You are rolling out of bed for the sole purpose of going to work. So that's a commute, the 10 feet from your bed to your office in the next room. And a lot of times this guy would just go straight from his bed straight to work without having breakfast. And so according to the works insurance company, your commute, if you go straight from home to work, is covered under insurance if you don't stop somewhere else, say for breakfast. So this was the big argument in court. It's like, well, had you had breakfast first, it wouldn't have counted under the insurance. But because you went straight to your desk from your bed, it does constitute as a commute, the court decided. Could you imagine if this guy had some shreddies before he sat on his computer and the insurance is like, no, yeah, like we saw like half a bowl of shreddies. So there's all these weird rules for people now working from home. You had a handful of Chex Mex. Yeah. So it doesn't count. Oh, yeah, I saw you. You had some stuff on the side of your bed. I see some crumbs on that mattress. So you might be heading to the office right now. Maybe you're going to work. You're on the highway. That, that's a serious commute, but I guess it still counts. That's the same thing as rolling out of bed and hopping on your laptop. Does our work insurance cover my bike ride from home to here? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We should look into that. I guess I should make sure I'm wearing a helmet. You have, and I'm not exaggerating, probably a one and a half kilometer trek yeah. <laughs> into work. Yeah. You typically bring a vehicle. It's usually... Four in the morning, and there. how many cars do you encounter on your way to work? Two? Maybe that, maybe you, none. You might see two other cars on the road. Mm-hmm. So I think you're doing okay. But on these windy days, it can be dangerous because every now and then a, a recycling bin goes across the road in front of me. I'm uh, like, Mr. Ah! Mr. Hussey, you're yeah. claiming, uh, you're making an insurance claim for half a million dollars because a Blue Water Recycling Association bin was on the road? Yes. Yes. Who do I sue? <laughs> So the ongoing debacle of my Christmas tree this year, my Christmas tree is uh, one of the trees that was in my yard, but a construction crew had to cut it down and that's fine. We discussed it. It wasn't quite on my property. It was going to cause problems later. So that's cool. But I thought, well, you know what? Let's use it as my Christmas tree. So you stole it back from their yard. Well, I didn't steal it. It was mine to begin with. It was... It was sitting on your porch for the last couple of weeks, but you finally put it up this weekend. You were you were you were concerned because the needles on blue spruce pine trees are really sharp. They're incredibly sharp. Like they pierce your skin. It's incredible. I actually woke up this morning with pains on my hand. Put gloves on to decorate it. So it was a bit of a thing, but it turned out really beautiful. Got all the ornaments and lights on it. It was the perfect size for inside the house, too. Absolutely gorgeous. Except my wife and I were sitting there admiring it, watching a Christmas movie, and the whole thing just fell over. Just toppled. Just toppled. Everything off it. and Break a whole bunch of ornaments. Well, and then the lights wouldn't go back on. We thought we broke some of the lights and we had to figure out which lights were loose. It was just a disaster. But it's all good now. I think we're at the end of the problems with the blue spruce. Did you have to tie up the blue spruce? Only thing that could go wrong is I tied it to the bookshelf. Oh. So if it does fall, it's going to take the bookshelf with it. And then if some of the lights are loose, it's going to catch fire. But you know what? Books aren't flammable. So I think you're going to be fine. Should be all good. 
there's a shortage of Rice Krispies apparently this year due to some issues that they've had in Kellogg's down in the States. So a lot of people are saying, hey, I can't get my Rice Krispies for my Christmas baking. I can't get the Rice Krispies. And I'm thinking to myself, why do you need Rice Krispies? You have thoughts on this. Well, so it's time for another grandpa rant with Matt Hussey. Can we just all agree that Rice Krispies are a snack that you can easily make year round? You just microwave the marshmallows, throw Rice Krispies in, and stir it. It's easy. It's easy and delicious. So I'd argue that, you know, at Christmas time, if you're going to really do Christmas baking, you got to spend a little more time than that in the kitchen. Make it a little more special, right? Rice Krispie squares. I'm going to offend people here, but I I think it's kind of a a lazy Christmas square. Oh, it's the laziest of Christmas squares. Okay. I'll admit. Of all the Christmas squares, Rice Krispies are the laziest. That's my point. Any of those Christmas squares that involved cereal. There's ones that people make with shreddies and pretzels or something. If you have to have cereal as your filler, it's not one of the favorites. It's not one of the favorites. If I go to a Christmas party and there's cereal smushed into a square and held together with some kind (laughs) of edible glue, it's not the best of squares. Good riddance to Rice Krispies this year. Let's have good squares at our Christmas parties. Your argument is do better. Even though I can relate with all the Rice Krispie square makers because I'm one of those people. I don't have a lot of time and it is easier to just microwave some marshmallows and be done with it. But maybe it's a good thing. It takes us out of our box this year. Maybe we'll be better bakers as a result of this. So if you go to a party with Matt Hussey and you bring Rice Krispie squares, oh, you better expect an argument. (laughs) Another grandpa rant with Matt Hussey. This story out of Newfoundland and Labrador. They have this old building where they used to make rules for the province. It's like the Queen's Park. It got decommissioned in the 50s and then made into a historical site in the 70s. Well, they needed to change some of the couches in there. There are these things called these born chairs. Imagine a couch like a circle and then in the middle of it, is kind of the backrest so people can kind of sit in a circle on the couch. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you see these at art galleries and such. Yeah, they're kind of old-timey. Apparently, they they stopped being produced in the 1850s. They need four of these things. They only got one tender for a company to make them. Only one company bid to make them. $136,265 for four of these couches. Well, that's justified, isn't it? They're circular sofas. They're recreations of Victorian-era furniture. Why would they put the money toward helping people when they can buy nice couches for the colonial <laughs> oh, building? Oh, look at Matt Hussey complaining about taxes in a province he doesn't live okay, in. Okay, th- here's how they're justifying the spending. They're saying, oh, tourists will love to come visit the colonial. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> That's what this building's called, the colonial. Tourists who go to Newfoundland just want a selfie in front of the dildo sign. <laughs> That's all they want. They want to go to a local bar and hear the great Newfoundland music. This is what they really want. They want to see the coast. They don't want to go sit on a couch at the Colonial. I don't know, man. As I heard, it's a good couch. And you know there's going to be those people, those Newfoundlanders. They're going to be going to the Colonial building, and they're going to be taking a picture on the new couch. And be like, oh, it doesn't feel like it's $136,000. They're just going to go there to troll the government. Pretty much. They're setting themselves up for disaster here. Well, here in Ontario, we didn't always do business in Queen's Park. Do you remember the old building we did it in before Queen's Park? No. Nobody does. That's the point. Maybe (laughs) if it had expensive sofas, we would remember. No, if it only had the better sofas, I'd want to (laughs) go. 
I'll never forget the Christmas. I was playing hide and seek and I went inside my mom and dad's closet and I saw one of my Christmas presents there. I was like, oh no, I remember being so mad at my mom. Why would you choose the laziest spot to hide the gifts? You were snooping. No, I was playing hide and seek. Oh. And I just happened to look at all the presents while I was in there. (laughs) (laughs) According to a new poll, that's the number one spot where parents hide the gifts. You know, the ones that don't come through Santa's network, you know. We have a very small house that we raised our kids in. There was nowhere to hide the presents. So we had this deal with the neighbors across the road. They were older. They didn't have any kids. And they had a whole garage full because they didn't drive anymore either. We asked them every year at Christmas, hey, can we use your garage? I remember some years we had a drum kit in there. We had a basketball net in there, like the big stuff, right, that you get. And it was so convenient. So this is a good thing to do if you have a neighbor. Maybe the neighbor you have has kids too, and you can just swap each other's presents in each other's Mm, garages. No, that could backfire because if you're swapping presents and you have the neighbor's presents in your garage and and then your kids see, like, let's say a new sled, a GT Snow Racer sled. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm getting a GT Snow Racer for Christmas. But then the neighbor's kid gets it and they get, like, something lame. Oh, yeah, they get one one of those wooden sleds. (laughs) (laughs) that don't slide worth of crap. (laughs) That they used in 1827. Yeah, Yeah, that could backfire. So maybe don't do that. The kidless neighbors are good. Yeah. With empty garages. Oh, nice. I could do that for my neighbors. I don't have any kids. Yeah. Store all their presents. Yeah, fill up your kitchen. There we go. You can maybe open them too and just like wrap them back nicely (laughs) so they won't notice. Talking about this photo that traveled 200 kilometers From Kentucky all the way to Indiana, it was lost in the tornado, and they found the rightful owners of this photo. And it got me thinking of all the stuff people in Godrich here lost when a tornado ripped through here. I've heard that they actually found some town documents in Lawnsboro. That's how far things traveled when that tornado ripped through this area. But I had some unusual things come up in my backyard. I was right in the trail of the tornado, my house, and somebody's canoe landed in my yard had no idea whose it was and i I actually heard the story from the opposite side because the person whose canoe this was i dated their daughter for a short while oh it's such a small world and now we work together so so i heard this canoe from this gentleman's perspective i and i didn't realize (laughs) at the time it was your backyard atlanta yeah so somehow i found out that uh, my friend mike crocker was his name and he had lost his canoe wondering where it went and i had the canoe So I somehow contacted him and he came and picked up his canoe, which was damaged. I think it was cut in half at this point. But he thought, hey, I could use it, you know, for a bookshelf or something maybe or just to have a keepsake from the tornado, something that survived because he got really hit hard his house. And it was just kind of a fun story in the midst of all the bad stuff going on. Got to return a canoe. Yeah. Look at you. Half of a canoe, at least. (laughs) I hope he did something with a canoe. I have so much stuff that just flew away from my backyard. I have no dog. That too. We got the dog back. Yeah, that was amazing. Thankfully, he got the whole dog back and not just half. My dog Uber got sucked out the front door as the tornado passed. I have no idea how far he was blown. I I wish I could have put a camera on him or something. But anyways, our main priority after the tornado was finding our dog. I just imagine the dog with a camera like, all right, run toward the tornado, boy. Oh, we were dev- <laughs> we were devastated. Honestly, we didn't even care about the house. And, and the kids happened to be away. 
we were just devastated until we found Uber. And then that was our silver lining in the tornado. And Uber still has a thousand yard stare to this day. (laughs) He's a good boy. He's a good boy. He did okay. He's still to this day, though, he doesn't like high winds. No, sir. There's this thing that goes on in Budapest called the Naked Santa Run. I will run naked provided the OPP aren't going to charge me and I'm protected against any lewd misconduct laws. The reason I like this is because there would be no body shaming. Santa is not exactly a fit guy. So this would kind of be for everybody. I could run there with my belly hanging out and not feel ashamed because I'm impersonating Santa. I'm supposed to be jolly and have some love handles. Hey, 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 hey. You shouldn't feel bad about your body no matter what. I know. I think you're beautiful. I think you're worthwhile. I think you're a good friend, a good father, and a good husband, and you shouldn't feel shame about the way you look because I think you look beautiful. Thank you. I wasn't asking for a pep talk, but I appreciate that. Thank you. So let's do this run then. No body shame, no matter how you look, even if you look as bad as Matthew. So some video surfaced out of a Tim Hortons in Toronto. A worker in the back, I think this was the baker. This guy was there. He looked back to where they were preparing some cinnamon buns. And she was putting the frosting on with her fingers. Okay, did she have a glove on? No, just smearing it around with her fingers. (laughs) And he goes to her, is this how you always do it? And she's like, yeah. So I always do it. What's you wrong with that? You haven't complained before. What's the problem now? <laughs> I didn't know before. Doing it right in front of the customers. I hate that excuse, though. Well, it's the way we've always done it. It doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> Just because you've always done it that way, maybe you've always done it wrong. Oh, boy. They contacted Tim Hortons, got to the bottom of it, and they said, uh, yeah, no, that's not our standards. You're supposed to use a spatula or something. Supposed to use your coworker's <laughs> finger, not your own. <laughs> Makes me think uh, I'm never going to ask him to stir my coffee. Who knows what they're stirring it with? Oh, boy. You'll oh. never guess how they put the holes in the donuts. Some people just love Christmas. There's this guy in Germany. His name's Thomas Jeroman. He says he's crazy for Christmas. That might be an understatement. Mm. He sets up 444 Christmas trees in his apartment. He got the Guinness record for most Christmas trees inside somebody's dwelling. So he starts this in August. Starts setting up trees he in August? He starts this in the summer because it takes that long to put up. What better way to start the Civic Weekend than setting up for Christmas? <laughs> hey, it's the Civic Weekend. Let's start setting up for Christmas. 47,000 Christmas lights, 72,000 baubles. How, how much would you have to spend on this? He must just love Christmas. He lives for Christmas. 444 trees all decorated with lights. That's a fire hazard. I don't think Santa even cares about Christmas as much as this guy. Even Santa's like, ho, 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 (laughs) chill out, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Okay, so that's excess. If you want to see the perfect Christmas display, we've talked about it on the show before. There's this house in the town of Godrich. If you're on Highway 8, going through Godrich, coming from Clinton Way. It's on Highway 8 in Britannia. There's this tree every year. I know the woman's name, but I don't want to, I don't know if she wants it mentioned on the air, but she decorates this tree every year. It's a massive pine tree. Things probably like 15, 20 feet tall. It's incredible. She decorates this thing with lights every year. Absolutely beautiful Christmas tree. It's so perfect. And this one tree in Godrich, I think for me, does more than these 444 trees combined. Yeah, that's just yeah. like puking Christmas all it, over the place. There's, there's something about being too Christmassy. But this is just perfect, the one in town. Maybe you're old enough to remember going to concerts with like your tape player and you'd hit like play record at the same time and you'd be able to record the live concert. And then that tape 
would be worth a lot with your friends. You'd be listening to like Kiss yeah. or like Dolly Parton or Garth Brooks or something. It's like you had this bootleg tape. Bootleg recordings were the best. They sounded terrible, but just the fact that you had them and they were kind of illegal was cool. Yeah. It was like <laughs> currency. You'd pass it around. Sound bad after a while. And I think most artists, they didn't care because it's good advertising for them, right? It's not like they're mass producing these things. But Eric Clapton recently successfully sued a woman for selling a bootleg CD that was recorded of one of his concerts in the 80s. So she was just going through her husband's old stuff, trying to get rid of some stuff on eBay. Somehow, Eric Clapton scrolls eBay and looks for bootlegs, found this on eBay, sues the woman, and now the woman has to pay all the legal fees for the whole deal. Holy She was just trying to sell an old CD for 10 bucks. Come on, Eric Clapton. Oh, Clapton. He doesn't need the money. Oh, man, doesn't he have better things to do? Like, really? Like, take some ibuprofen for his back. Learn a new riff on the guitar. So if you took a photo at an Eric Clapton show in the 80s, look out. you better hire a lawyer right now because he's coming after you. And as we all know, Clapton doesn't stop. He's like Michael Myers, but way, way older. Oh, he'll use those guitars as a weapon if he has to. He's been known to. Two of my favorite celebrities might be Dolly Parton and Keanu Reeves. Two great choices. They're both just known to do great things for people, and they don't really even advertise these things. They just, behind the scenes, they're doing good things all the time, it seems like. There's a weird connection between Keanu Reeves and Dolly Parton, and I can't believe I haven't heard this story before. Keanu was on a podcast recently. One of the questions was, what was one of your favorite Halloween costumes? And this is what he said. You won't believe this story. My mother was a costume designer, and she made some costumes for Dolly Parton, and she once did the cover of Playboy. Right. And somehow, I guess she didn't take that home. And so we had it, and it was Halloween. So I put on the ears and the bustier. I wore sneakers with fishnet stockings and the bow yes. tie. Yeah, Key, come on. I had some pretty long hair, and I was Dolly Parton's Playboy bunny. Ah. Nice. <laughs> he dressed up in the actual suit that Dolly Parton wore on Playboy. Holy crap. How have we not heard this story? One year, I wanted to be a woman for Halloween. For some reason, like, the way women dressed was like a costume. Like, I saw that more as like, a oh, you're putting on a skirt and high heels. Like, the high heels especially were like, why would anybody wear these? It's clearly a costume. Yeah, it was a, as a kid, dressing up as a woman was a fun costume. So my mom, I can't remember if she put me in her clothes or somebody else's, but I wore a skirt and some high heels. <laughs> On Halloween. But you know what's funny about this? When I heard this, I remembered Dolly Parton. She recreated the Playboy shoot last year for her husband. Remember? She was 75 or something. She wanted to hook up her husband, man. Yeah, she wanted to recreate this. And and I seem to remember Dolly saying, I wonder where that suit went. Well, Keanu has it. So today marks 10 years since Kim Jong-il. The old dictator that used to be in charge of North Korea. Now the son's in charge. Yeah, Kim Jong-un is in charge now. Kim Jong-il with the funny haircut and the big glasses. He's been dead for a decade today. It's The whole thing's a bizarre situation. Remember when they convinced the people that he didn't even use a toilet? Yeah, that was one of the weird rumors. They said when- he was so efficient. He, used his, he expended energy so well that he... Everything he ate, he burned, and his his cornhole was just useless, I guess, collecting Serb or something. No, he didn't even have a butthole, according to the people. That's what they told him. He, he didn't was, have one? He was so 
high and mighty and holy that he doesn't even need a butthole. It's, a, it's quite a thing. And so now they're telling people to observe his passing 10 years ago. They're telling them for 10 days, no birthdays, no laughing, no celebrating. Don't even smile. No laughing You've got to be in mourning for the next 10 days. If we catch you smiling. <laughs> like, oh, you're going to get disappeared, boy. Oh, it's, so, it's sad, really, what these people have to go through. I hope someday they get liberated. But can you imagine if we had this happen here? <laughs> it's a very colonial thing to say. I hope they get liberated by people like us one day. No. <laughs> Clearly, it's not a good life for them, I don't think. Anyway, you know, maybe but, maybe they like not laughing. I don't know. Well, maybe. I, I haven't asked them. They don't have the internet. Maybe it's like, oh, finally, I don't have to laugh for 10 days. I'm so tired of laughing. Oh, don't you hate laughing? Oh. We were thinking, though, it's not a bad idea to maybe pay tribute if you have some, like, halfway decent leaders. Like, we, we, we live in a very fortunate country. Canada's a great country. Mm -hmm. Whether or not you like our leaders, they don't seem to be madmen. Like, making up myths they don't have buttholes. Right. We have that. So, I don't know. I'm thinking, like, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, maybe when he passes, we pay tribute where for 10 days you don't wear any black makeup. Or, like, Doug Ford. Let's say he passes away. Tim Hortons stops making that real egg sandwich that he likes for 10 days. He loves that thing. Gotta give Timmy's a good plug. The best thing you guys ever did is make those real egg sandwiches. <laughs> I used to go eat those other ones. They're the best, those, those real egg sandwiches. So whoever did that at Timmy's, good for you. Oh, he loves those things. Uh, There's anything Doug Ford loves more than an egg sandwich? I don't know. The Country 104.9 Mornings with Matt and Fatty Podcast.